0: The scripture reading for today comes from Psalm 72. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. Give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures, and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish, and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him, and his enemies lick the dust. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all day. May there be abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains, may it wave. May may its fruit be like Lebanon. And may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. His name continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. This is the word of the Lord. Be to me.
1: Amen and good morning. Please pray with me. Lord God, we come before you and your word with great thanksgiving and humility. We pray that you would even now um, anoint your servant to speak it forth faithfully and not sensationally. We pray that you would be present among your people through the power of the spirit so that we might be built up in our most holy faith, that we might worship you more fervently, walk before you more diligently and witness of our king more actively. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning and praise the Lord once again. Gracie Lacan Valley, my wife and I, Sharon, are thrilled, thrilled to be here with you this morning. Um, it's the first time we're here with you live and in person. It was great to to, um, minister with you and and enjoy your worship uh, when you were online, but we're really, really thankful uh, to be here this morning. Um, I am so thankful for Pastor David and um, and, uh, I want to preach, and it's not that long of a sermon, but I I really want to just express gratitude to your congregation for your generosity to New City Sacramento. We're really thankful for that. But um, specifically for Pastor David, I don't think I've told him this. um, When I first came to our presbytery. I I didn't know that after presbytery meetings uh, we went out to eat because in the presbyteries I was a part of before, you just hope you you didn't punch anybody out after presbytery. (laughs) Um, And now it seems that in our presbytery it's sort of not even a thing to invite people so much. Is it's already an invitation is sent out formally, and you just respond if you want to go eat. But before that. It was just an informal thing, and and people would go around and say, we're going to eat. But Pastor David would come up to me personally, and I remember distinctively times right after Presbyterian, he would say, we're going out to eat. You know, you want to come with us? Um, And at first, I was hesitant, and I didn't. Um, But then the Lord worked on my heart and my mind, and through his brother, just his, his gracefulness to me. And I just want to thank you for that, brother. It was a real blessing. Very, very humbling. As we go before our passage today, it is a majestic passage indeed. And it reminded me of, um, especially in light of Queen Elizabeth II's passing, that now her son, King Charles, who is now the the King of England, but um, probably around June of next year, he'll actually have his coronation. And so I believe they've said it tentatively around June of next year, um, which makes the timing interesting uh, since it'll be around six or seven months or so before uh, the U.S.'s presidential inauguration. Uh, w- these events, dearly loved ones in Christ, they will, of course, receive a great deal of media attention, and the general populace, um, not only of both countries, um, but the world itself, will, will talk about them um, a great, great deal. And for us, it means we get the opportunity as the people of God to highlight the beauty, the glory, the greatness of the world's present and lasting king, our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe it continues to be important for the people of God to know that we now Or, if I could say it this way, the appetizer, that initial expression of God's kingdom, of his gracious rule and reign. And we get the opportunity and the blessing to embody his character, his will, his rule and reign as an aspect of his kingdom in a particular place and time. Thus, we don't have to wait for those events to transpire in order for us to begin to speak about our king. You see, as we will all attest to for the most part, every single day, every single day we live in a world that now appears beyond broken. One in which we can't even seem to agree on what some of the core problems are, let alone their solutions. It's why today, tomorrow, the upcoming holiday season, King Charles' coronation, our next presidential election, is always prime time for us to declare the glories of our sovereign King, Jesus Christ. Psalm 72, as we've heard, is David's solemn prayer for his son, Solomon. We're not exactly sure when he penned it, but at some point, as David knew that God had kept his promise to keep the kingdom intact and bring a son from his own body onto the throne, David, in reflecting perhaps on his own reign and looking forward into the reign of Solomon and then looking upward to the grand plan and character of Yahweh he moved and driven by the spirit pens what he would like to see his son's reign and body how he would like to see it flesh out the impact that he wants his son to have as a king who represents the king and though it's a psalm that was written for Solomon, it is evident that this is one of those psalms we call a messianic psalm, that that in some ways it points specifically to Jesus Christ. That there is a greater king that is in mind here. Especially towards the end of verse 17, when David, moved by the Spirit, repeats that promise that God gave to Abraham that, In your seed, all of the family groups of the world will be blessed. And I'm convinced that God's word revealed in this messianic psalm, it provides us clear direction for the witness of our King Jesus Christ. A witness, a witness that calls people into a flourishing relationship in in, and with Christ now. It is one that impacts our community in the here and now, even, even as we wait for the complete culmination of Christ's eternal kingdom. We're going to look at this particular passage and four aspects of this passage. It is a witness of the kingdom and our king that consists of calling people to Christ's person, Christ's passion, Christ's people and Christ's praise. His person, his passion, his people, his praise. Let's begin again with verse 1 Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. I'm sure most of us are aware that in ancient societies, the king was much more than simply a political leader. Who drew up the laws, enforced the laws, decided if the laws were in fact right and just and lawful. That he was the one who oversaw all affairs and aspects of the land. the fact that the king in many ancient societies was the one in whom people put their trust, their full trust for complete, holistic, abundant life that they were tied to him and his rule, and they genuinely believed that as he flourished, they too could and should and would flourish. And consequently, it's important for us to know in Sacramento and for Grace of Lacan Valley to know here that God has called his people to the only one, the only king in whom we can put Our trust for full flourishing soul satisfying life it is critical for us to have the kind of witness to know that we get the opportunity to have life in Christ and to call those who perhaps are looking to political leaders to political systems to political parties even to a country for soul-satisfying life that they will not find it there because humans are all too flawed, all too sinful, all too human. Every four years, many Americans vote for a president in hopes of selecting someone who will, in, in some ways, act as a king, not so much in the political sense, but be the kind of figure they want that would bring them this kind of ultimate, abundant, and holistic well-being, security, significance, and shalom. But it is only Christ who can fulfill and fill that void. Amen. It is only Christ that can bring us that sense of joy, peace, purpose, direction, redemption, and healing for which we all long. And I pray if you are looking for that this morning that you would find it in the one, true, living, lasting King, Jesus Christ. And those of us who do and who have, we now have a witness that we can give to those around us who are perhaps wondering and throwing up their hands and thinking it will never happen to them. It will. Because God sets up a King, His one and unique Supreme Son, Jesus Christ, not simply to rule, he does that, but to be the one in whom we find, as he said himself, true, abundant, eternal life. And so we point to Christ, person. Moving on from there, we, we have to point to Christ's passion. I'm sure we note, noticed as the scripture was read. The passion of Christ for the vulnerable. Listen again, beginning at verse 2. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones, with justice. May the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills, the fruit of righteousness. May he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. King David's first petition for his son is that he would rule with justice and righteousness. And in fact, this particular theme runs throughout the psalm. Justice is one of those prominent themes, not only, of course, in this psalm, but actually throughout the Old Testament. And it's prominent in the life and the prophecies of Jesus as he is proclaimed to be the one true and living king that God would send to the world, I, I like to call this particular aspect of scripture and Christ's passion biblical. Let's be clear about that biblical social justice. I define it as God's clear, compelling, and compassionate concern for the vulnerable as. Practiced by his people. Biblical social justice is God's clear, compelling, and passionate concern for the vulnerable as pointedly practiced by his people. The living God intentionally expressed over and over his desire to meet the needs of those who are indeed struggling with poverty, of those who are vulnerable, of those who can be easily marginalized. And as we engage by the grace of God in biblical social justice, our children, those around us, will see that we serve a king that is indeed passionate for those whose lives are perhaps the most vulnerable. So much so, that though he's, of course, existed eternally, that upon his birth and his raising, Jesus was born, raised, and lived among those who were considered, at least in the Roman Empire, to be amongst the least. Now, of course, this will take different forms among different peoples and in different ways, but reading this passage In reading the middle of this psalm, it reminds us of at least a few things concerning how we view the vulnerable. First of all, we cannot be indifferent because our king isn't indifferent. One of the things I love about Dr. Tim Keller uh, when he speaks of the living God in these ways, he says one of the ways that the living God is just different from the ancient deities uh, of which the Hebrew people were familiar is that the ancient deities always sided with the rich and powerful. In fact, the rich and powerful were thought to be rich and powerful because they were on the side of the ancient deities and the ancient deities were on their side. But when you come to Yahweh, he is so pointedly clear of his concern for those who outwardly Listen carefully. Outwardly, they they simply have nothing to give. They have no wealth. They have no power. They have no prestige or position. And so this particular passage and others like it, it reminds us that we cannot be indifferent. In the other aspects of biblical social justice, it doesn't mean that we necessarily take from one group to enrich another. In fact... That particular passage, it speaks of prosperity and flourishing for all. And yet it seems that one of the keys is how the people of God look after those who could easily be left behind. But I think there's one more thing. Our care, our attentiveness, our attention to those who are struggling those without, those who don't have as much, it reminds us that that's where we are spiritually. You see, spiritually, we are the refugees without a home. And Christ rescued us. Spiritually, as Pastor David said, we are poor in spirit. We don't have enough of what is needed to secure a perfect permanent right, standing before the living God. We are left bereft and impoverished. We don't have enough. And yet Christ lives a perfectly sinless life for us and gives those riches to us as a free gift. He then went to the cross, and at the cross he took all of our debts. Debt forgiveness is a big deal in our society today. However, you want to see it. Debt forgiveness is a big deal in our society today. And who are we? We are the ones whose debts were forgiven because somebody stepped up and paid the cost. And so we, the people of God, as I say, the flashpoint of his kingdom We call people to Christ's person. We call people to because we ourselves are answering the call to his passion. Thirdly, we're called to be among and call people to Christ's own overall people. Listen again, picking up the passage from verse 8. And this is where we begin to see that... David certainly has something more, someone more in mind than just Solomon per se. He says, may he roll from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring him gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. Verse 8 introduces that worldwide nature of the king's rule. It's one that will encompass all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds and places. Again, it's reminiscent of God's very promise to Abraham and Abraham's seed, which we know from what Paul wrote in Galatians, that seed, that one person is Jesus Christ. He is the one who will gather and bless all of the family groups in the world and that blessing is with a full salvation that connects us to one another. As our Lord Jesus revealed, he has gathered these peoples, these diverse peoples into one multi-ethnic, multicultural, worshiping community now called the church. And now our primary commonality. What actually ties and binds us together isn't primarily our ethnicity or our background or the country we hail from. It's not our political party or our candidates. It's our King, Jesus Christ. We are in fact, even as we'll commune, remembering that when we commune together, we are remembering the body and blood of Jesus Christ that has brought us into communion with each other in him. It's in my view the very nature of this kind of kingdom calls for every church to press toward what I call a redemptive ethnic unity. Redemptive ethnic unity is when the people of God from various backgrounds come together to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ through worship and service together with one another. Affirming and reaffirming that we are indeed one people. Pastor David shared with me wonderful example of this. Um, I believe the pastor was from AME or AME Zion, one of them, and how he prayed and was so thankful. That Grace Silicon Valley is here now. And now that a gospel witness is moving forward once again in this community. And the wonderful thing to know, whether you're in Sacramento or Palo Alto or San Jose or San Francisco or Oakland or West Philadelphia, where I am from, or Germantown, from where my wife is from. No one single church is going to have the impact that we could all have together. Consequently, by the grace of God. We can and should endeavor to connect with believers in our community across ethnic lines to visibly demonstrate this beautiful aspect of our King, His cross, His kingdom. Lastly, again, we call people to Christ's person, to Christ's passion. To Christ's people. Lastly, to his praise. And again, here's what it's, it's clear that I believe the spirit lifted David and he begins to talk about the Messiah. Long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given him. May people pray, ever pray for him and bless him all day long. May grain abound throughout the land on the tops of the hills. May it sway. May the crops flourish like Lebanon And thrive like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. Then all nations will be blessed through him. And they will call him blessed. Again, that wonderful reference to Genesis 12, where our Lord gives Abraham this call. You see, in everything we do, all that we are is an expression of worship to our living and loving Lord. Worship is our active declaration of the uniqueness, the wonder, the supremacy, the beauty, the sovereignty, the glory of the living God as it culminates in the sinless life, the sacrificial death, and the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. We worship our Redeemer King Jesus because he is the fulfillment of Abraham's promise, repeated by David here in verse 17. Again, this is what that promise says. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I- I- I'll end with this. This, this you know, I- I'm not familiar with the English political system, my guess, and this is only a guess, so you can Google and check me if i 'm wrong, is that King Charles uh, even now, perhaps when he finishes coronation, he may have the power to pardon those um, who have committed crimes against others and crimes against the state of England, just as our American presidents, they do have the power power to pardon those who have committed crimes or even are in prison for them now. Many times, American presidents do so as they're about to leave office and there won't be any more political consequence. And what I like to say, especially as we we think about these things, is no matter who you vote for, and I never tell people who to vote for or how to vote, and it's not my prerogative, but no matter who you vote for, No matter how wondrous and wonderful you think he or she is. No matter how fantastic a job you think he or she did. You might even agree with every single pardon that they made. And that might be a good thing. But they have to face facts. If you needed a pardon. If you were going to be in prison for the balance of your life. If someone you loved was going to be faced with that reality and you could get them to have a, pr- a pardon, you might seek one. You might earnestly plead for one. You might do your best to secure one. Perhaps you would get one. Perhaps you would not. But of all the pardons that are issued, no king, no president, no leader is going to say, if it comes to it, in order for this person to be pardoned, I'll take their sentence. I'll serve out the balance of my life in a prison cell so they could go free. That's why we say, long live the King Jesus Christ. Long live the king of glory, who went up to a Roman cross when he didn't have to because he committed no sin. Long live the king, who when they said, why don't you come down from the cross, you who saved others, save yourself. Long live the king, who when they were still spitting upon him and mocking on him, he said, Lord, forgive them for they have sinned. Long live the king, because the way he secured his eternal kingdom. Is not through conquest of political machinations, it is through a bloody, ugly, gory cross in which He died for the sins of all of His subjects. Long live the King of Glory, Jesus Christ. Lord, we are blessed. As I said, we don't want to proclaim this sensationally. We want to be faithful in lifting you high because of who you are and how you fill our lives with your life. We pray that we would meditate on these things. Speak well of our King in Jesus' name. Amen.